0: waiting on fries that you don't get it you don't what do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries but all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed and you're it's like ready Fuck. to go <laughs> I forgot
1: to fire the fries I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in and I was like hey I'm just waiting on the fries it's gonna be two more minutes realistically I come back ten minutes with the food exactly <laughs> this episode of waiting on fries was recorded live at Brisket King in Pig Beach. It could get a little bit loud at times, but we've done pretty decently getting quality audio for you. Pig Beach is the host to Brisket King 2021 this year, and without a doubt, the perfect venue to house hundreds of carnivorous and rowdy individuals trying to cast their votes for the king of brisket this year. With over 16 competitors, including our own Justin Zaytonian and Mike Hofer of Smokehouse, we were able to snag a couple of the competitors for a few minutes to dive deeper into their businesses and brisket secrets. But let's start this thing off talking to Nick of Pokey's, which is no stranger to doing things differently.
2: So just looking at what you brought us to taste here, you guys went a non-traditional route that doesn't look like a smoked brisket at a brisket competition. So can you tell us what you brought?
3: Yeah, it's pink.
2: Like what what is that? What (laughs) am I looking at? That's the sauce. That's the sauce. It's
3: definitely non-traditional and we're proud of it for sure. So uh, to start with the most non-traditional, our brisket isn't smoked. We uh, confit it, which means it's poached in its own fat. Uh, you know, we don't have a smoker on hand, so the best way to keep it nice and juicy is to keep it with its own fat. So that's how we do that. And what you have here today is our, uh, our cho- uh, version of our chopped beef, which has our brisket in it, carrots and onions, old school um, Passover way. And uh, what really makes it Jewish is once it, after it's poached, we braise it in Manischewitz wine, okay. which uh, if you guys are familiar, uh, not the best for drinking, <laughs> definitely the best for um, braising. Or a bar mitzvah. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Exactly. you got to sneak it, hide it from the parents. It so works it, there. You're kind of
2: glossing over the little sauce that you have there, which is like a, like the hidden gem of the dish. Totally. It's really good.
3: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so the sauce on the side is our creamy red horseradish dressing. Uh, it's a ranch-based. It has some beets in it. Mm. It has uh, horseradish, dill, just oh, everything that, that makes is, stuff delicious. really good. Really? Uh, definitely adds a little bit of color to it, changes it up from the browns and the blacks from every other uh, barbecue colors that you see. Stand out. A little, a little bit, bit of pink, a little bit of orange from the carrots, you know, gotta yeah. stand out out here. So, the, I,
2: I the mean, first bite that I had when I stopped at your table was um, the carrot and I dipped it in the sauce and it was perfect. Oh, a sweet, a little spicy, you get
3: that little herbaceous from the dill. Love that, thank really you. Really liked it. Yeah. yeah, it definitely brings some flavors out you normally wouldn't have. Yeah. I, I
1: had to Google what is Jewish barbecue and the first thing that came up was an article and Polky's mentioned in the article sure enough so uh, I mean that's comedic in itself so I mean what
3: uh, what's Jewish barbecue so our PR team will be thrilled to hear that for sure Uh, so that we came up when you googled us Uh, so Jewish style barbecue Exactly. So it's not kosher. We're proudly Jewish, but not kosher. And if it's sure. kosher,
1: it means that like you're throwing brisket into the uh, smoker, and a rabbi is standing there on deck ready to bless it, and then it's good. in one
3: way or another. Yeah, Def, uh, But or it can usually come in raw when it's already blessed. The kitchen is usually blessed. Uh, that's what makes something kosher. So, like I said, we're proudly Jewish, but not kosher. So we're inspired and influenced by a lot of Jewish cuisine. Like I said, we're braising it in Manischewitz that's where the Jewish comes in. The carrots and onions, uh, typical Passover dinner, that's where the Jewish comes in. And where we are actually, we're more of a turkey restaurant than we are a brisket restaurant because Southern barbecue and Jewish food, both turkey and brisket. And that's where the name Polki actually comes from. Polki is Jewish, it's got two meanings. It actually directly means poultry leg, but it's also like a cute way to describe chubby baby thighs, which is where our logo comes from.
1: That's exactly how I like my girls. <laughs>
3: exactly. That, our thoughts exactly. Um, so that's where the word pulky comes from. So pulkies uh, directly relates to turkey. And our, our signature dish is the, our barbecue pulled turkey. It's our take on pulled pork. Obviously, we don't have the pork, <laughs> so we use uh, we slow roast our dark meat uh, of the turkey leg, which is poultry leg, the polky, uh, in our barbecue sauce. So that's our signature dish. But you know, we can't say no to brisket either, which is why we're here and talking about our brisket as well. And I
1: mean, how long has Pokey's been around now at this point? So
3: it actually opened up in the middle of the pandemic. We started as a a, a ghost kitchen in Chelsea, uh, out the back gate of a in Chelsea Market. Wait, you opened (laughs) up in the middle of the pandemic, and you're already (laughs)
1: dealing with gold belly? Oh yeah, which is kind of crazy. We uh, don't just get thrown gold belly out of nowhere.
3: It was uh, it was fast. We definitely it was a sprint from the start. So I love love the I love the aggressive moves. Oh yeah, during the downtime. So we had a kitchen in Chelsea Market that was uh, shut down because delivery it wasn't built for delivery and takeout. So we had a kitchen. And we had a lot of people who were hungry and looking for some food. And uh, in a brainstorming session with some of the partners in the restaurant, we yeah. kind of went down a bunch of avenues. We thought deli, uh, but no way we'd ever compete with the Bens and Katz's ever, <laughs> wouldn't want to touch that at yeah. all. Uh, and then we were like, you know, there's a lot of similarities between barbecue and Jewish food. Um, and the owner, Harris, who is uh, also the chef behind the menu is Jewish. And he's like, you know, our food doesn't get enough credit. And we were like, what if we do Jewish style barbecue? And we all kind of just blinked a couple times like, whoa, this is something here. Um, a month later, we had the branding and then we were open. And we were operating out of the back of Chelsea Market's gate doing delivery and takeout. Got some good press, got some people excited. And then we were reviewed in the New Yorker, right around Rosh Hashanah. And that really kind of took it to the next level for us. Had the opportunity to open in DeKalb Market in downtown Brooklyn. And that's our home now where we're serving hot food and delivery and takeout food. It's awesome. let, let me ask you about
1: uh, the volume with Goldbelly because we've had all these conversations with every business owner that a lot of them are part of Gobelly and they've said that the volume has increased dramatically. I've been into some of these places where I see the shipments lined up across the wall. Like yeah. was that a hardship going through that? or So
3: uh, I wouldn't say it was a hardship. It was definitely a learning curve. So when the New Yorker article came out, we were getting emails like, when are you opening up in Tennessee? When are you opening up here? When are you opening up there? Which was great. We're not yet. (laughs) Yeah, soon. Like, let me, you know, let's get through uh, 2020 first. But, you know, Polkies will be around the world soon enough for sure. But the stopgap was definitely Gold Belly. And uh, we reached out to them. Uh, They were like, yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. And uh, after, you know, refining our menu and our offering and finding the best way for our guests to enjoy our food, uh, we launched, I'd say, about a month or two ago, and the excitement came out of nowhere. Um, just tons of orders, and it was, it's was it been great. It's been really helpful when our foot traffic in restaurants isn't that high right now, especially in New York. Uh, GoldBelly has really bridged that for us, and uh, it's a really exciting way to kind of tell our story outside of Brooklyn, and uh, we're super stoked to be on there, and business is doing well on there, and uh, we're excited to see the future and what's going on. Good luck taking the brisket championship. Thank you. I think we're going to need it. Some of the purists out there aren't thrilled, but you know, we're here to shake things up.
1: Eric Howard, a firefighter and partner in the Gramercy, takes a second to let us know how his brisket has been done differently. Having a bar where everyone knows your name and being a part of Friends of Firefighters, which provide free mental health, peer support, and wellness services to active and retired FDNY firefighters and their families. Let's check in with Eric.
4: So Gramercy L House is like your nice cozy little neighborhood pub. We're on 3rd Avenue between 21st and 22nd Street, right in the heart of Gramercy. We're not a barbecue spot, but uh, (laughs) we're doing brisket today because, uh, you know, we're actually here to really help out friends of firefighters. It's a great organization that does a lot for the fire department, and we're a firefighter-owned bar. So
1: with that, five of you been together at some point and you said, let's open up a bar because we've got some extra time on our hands and there's a retirement plan. I
4: mean, I'm a newer partner in the place. I've only been a part of it for a couple of years now, but uh, there's probably about there's four of us that are firefighters and then two guys that are not firefighters. And um, it's just it's, it's a the kind of place where you can come in and like know 10 people at the bar and, you know. The bartender knows your name. Knows it's, your like t- nice it's like that nice neighborhood cheers. hangout type of place. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: exactly what you think about instantly is Cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the brisket that you put together here today.
4: Well, since we are like an Irish themed bar, we don't call ourselves an pu- Irish pub. We don't call ourselves a sports bar. We're just a bar. Yeah. Right. Just a bar. Yeah. But um, a safe we... haven to
1: go have drinks, enjoy exactly. laughs with the boys. But
4: so we serve a ton of Guinness. <laughs> so today we did a Guinness infused brisket. Okay. With a uh, Guinness and bourbon barbecue sauce, and uh, it's gonna be pretty damn delicious (laughs) we're
1: gonna we're gonna gonna definitely stack up some votes uh it's crazy too because when we talk about city bars that are just bars if if you want to put it that way or pub whatever you want to call it they always seem to have a theme for a different sports team Mm -hmm. so you're a villanova bar
4: yeah so we have we do villanova sports we have tcu football um as far as professional sports go we're a little bit of everybody we do have the mlb package so we find like throughout baseball season we can put on any game and that's you find someone who's a fan of that exactly how
0: how did you pick which team you wanted to be are you guys
4: fans or did you let the crowd choose essentially yeah like the our regulars like if you're a regular and you went to you it's really hard to get a college team as like a bar rep you know like to get like an sec team is almost impossible i would imagine
1: that the turnout though for these games is crazy yeah tcu
4: brings us like 50 people and they'll come and uh, guarantee us 50 usually. And they... I was going to throw that
0: in because we actually were lucky enough. We're we're now we're a Georgia bar. Okay. So we got a group of Georgia fans that came in religiously, and yeah. now they hung a flag up and whatever. So yeah. we just let them take it. You can tell yourself on. a lucky one. <laughs> in Georgia, that's huge. I'll, I'll take an SEC team <laughs> Yeah.
1: What What's the craziest piece of going from working in the fire department to then saying, I'm a part owner of this bar now? Like, uh, this is life-changing in some aspects.
4: So, yeah, I mean, we, uh, going from the, the camaraderie is the same, you know, you get the same banter. Everybody busts each other's balls. Yeah. You know, including, like, across the bar to the regulars. So, I mean, we kind of, like, make people feel like, you know, like it's a firehouse. You get that atmosphere, exactly. you know? And, uh, for me, it's different. Like, I, I have a, a, a cooking background. I did a couple cooking shows, and I, uh, ended up coming into this almost as, to like, as a food consultant, and then just... Stayed on as a, you know, part owner. Now, cooking. Remember, sh-
0: firefighters are cooks, man. Yeah, oh they're yeah. cooking back there?
4: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: my brother's White Plains Fire Department, and all the time, he said, you should see, like, what it's like when you have to cook for every single person in the house. Like, you might have that duty that day. Yeah. And, like, some guys are great at cooking, and then other guys are just like, eh, sloppy joes again, because that's, <laughs> you know, what they're producing. Is that, is that
4: producing. where the brisket came from, cooking at the firehouse? Yeah, I mean, so Aaron, uh, one of the other guys here, he's not a partner at the bar, but he's a firefighter in the same firehouse as me. He brought a smoker to the firehouse a few years back. It didn't go over well. Uh, Guys were like, we deal with enough smoke. Why the hell do we want to eat smoked food? (laughs) You know, know, just typical firehouse, ball busting. uh, (laughs) Craziest
1: fire that you've seen?
4: I mean, every fire has its own, like, different ways that it could be dangerous or crazy. I mean. You, you can go into any building, and it could go as it should by the book. You know, you go in, you put the fire out, make no one gets hurt. Or things can get bad, and, and you know, people get hurt. And those what we try not to have peop- happen.
1: You know? People's, like, misconception, too, is that you walk in, and you can still see through your mask, when reality is you can't see anything, and you're just feeling each other as you're walking around, probably looking at the plans ahead of time to see what walls are where.
4: You know, you, you try to, like know the buildings in your area that you're responsible for and you try to you know you look at it as you as you're walking up to the building and say okay all right there's a fire escape in the front it means there's uh, four apartments per floor usually and like different little nuances that we learn in the fire academy and then, and then when you get assigned to a firehouse the, the senior members in that house as you come up will teach you different things about the neighborhood they're responsible for and you know things like that.
1: If your brisket takes the W, are you bringing the belt back to the house or are you building, taking the belt back to the Gramercy?
4: It's probably going to go back to the bar.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> With Avellino Family Barbecue out of Stanford, Connecticut, Leland teaches us a bit about guerrilla business tactics, finding low overhead ways to serve the community, and a bit of his barbecue history involving dinosaur barbecue. He's got the story though. So my first restaurant
5: job when I was nine years old. Nine years old. Nine. I don't even think that's legal. <laughs> it's so illegal. I used to bust I used to bust tables with a little square plastic tray in front of me because I couldn't put the other one over my shoulder. So <laughs> I, like thir- was, I was like twelve and the guy's like, all right, stop being a pussy. Put the tray over your shoulder now. You can you can you can carry it like a man now. Learn learn now, yeah. you know, do something. Exactly. So, uh,
1: but your first like introduction here though, in the serious aspect of doing culinary things though, was kind of with barbecue. So, no, I was I was a fine dining chef for probably
5: 15 years. What uh, restaurants did you work at? So I worked, I was in the city, I worked a little bit at Per Se. Okay, uh, nice. and I worked a little bit with John George at yeah, Spice yeah. Market. Uh, and then locally in Fairfield County, I was a chef at V Wine Bar for probably five years uh, in Southport. And then I worked in, uh, I worked in Match Restaurant for, for Match George for a little while. Uh, and then I uh, I got tapped to open a restaurant called Bank House. I don't know if you guys know a bank house in, uh, in Norwalk. It's a barbecue Ooh. and crab restaurant. So that kind of turned me to the barbecue world um my really good friend who was working with me today his name is franz he was a chef at bobby q's i don't know if you know bobby q's yeah. in westport but he was the executive chef there so when i was running the wine bar i just popped into his kitchen and i was like feeling and touching all his stuff and i was like wow this is really cool stuff and it was totally opposite end of the spectrum for me uh and i just kind of got into it and i was playing around in his walk-ins and just playing with his shit, and it was really fun and so an opportunity came to, to join barbecue uh, restaurant and i did it and i loved it and i started developing them and Ended up with Dinosaur fortuitously. uh, Ended up with Dinosaur for... Like eight and a half years. So it, was there, this
1: is with Dinosaur in Stanford? That's no, this is location, a Dinosaur or? corporate. So okay. I, was a, I was
5: a corporate executive chef and a culinary partner. So I basically, I did training. I rolled out menus. I was John's uh, partner when it came to creating culinary dishes and, and things like that. So we really kind of hit all the par, all the points. And I started off as a kitchen manager, moved to a director, and then I immediately got on the corporate team. Uh, and then after about four years, I became a partner with the company. So I was an ownership stake in the company then i moved to stanford restaurant which was kind of where i started in 2012 Full circle. Moved back there my wife had a had a couple of kids and she was like this road this sh- shit in the road is not happening anymore like i need you i need you home with these with these kids <laughs> so i took over stanford covid hits and it's like what am i going to do we closed the restaurant hard
1: decisions were made
5: very very bored so i bought a pit 500 gallon offset stick burner and uh, we released a menu one week and it was like wow holy shit it was just like whole family neighbors and some people in our mom's group and it was like everybody ordered so holy shit this is fun next week we tripled the amount of orders and we just keep keep growing from there and about four months ago three months ago the health department stanford health department showed up in our driveway <laughs> where we were cooking and they were like i know the sanitarian like he was my guy in stanford he looks at me he's like come on what are we doing here i was like well, i gotta feed my family right what am you gonna do so he let me go he said you know this has got to stop you can't do it so i ended up uh, at a corporate kitchen in uh, in Stanford called On the Mark Catered Events. Uh, I've been there for like four months. And, uh, essentially a commissary kitchen? It's, it's essentially a commissary kitchen. We rent okay. out a table, a uh, rack in the walk in, and a rack in dry storage. Awesome. Uh, and then we recently have crafted a deal to move to Norwalk to a kind of a, a little bit of air we can have a little bit more tables and we can go four days a week and we can actually, you know, if it rains, we can still serve and. You know, it's people can actually come sit down, which is I think that time of year where people are wanting to do that. They're not as scared anymore. So I think it'll work out pretty well for us. I,
1: I mean, we've had this conversation with so many different owners of businesses and these pivots that we have to go through to figure out how to make things work and how to make things meet. You have to make serious decisions. Are we shutting down our restaurant completely and moving into something else? Or are we figuring out how to do the quote unquote something else? You did that you figured out how to essentially craft a menu that was kind of going out a few times a week, or at yeah. least that's what it's showing now. Yeah, and we, we were able to hit
5: it at a really nice angle, and my, and my wife loves this. She's my partner, and she loves the idea. Like, we've been talking about opening a restaurant since our first date, and she hated the idea of, like, holy shit, all this money, they all closed, and she was... Very financially smart, which I'm not. Well, you she know was like well no overhead. Well, right. none of and my, that's the
0: thing is, none people. of us are financially smart, otherwise we wouldn't be in a restaurant. <laughs> that's either. the deal. I mean, I mean
5: we're, we're masochists, right? We do this yeah. for a living. We must hate ourselves, right? So my uh, we we looked at the whole we looked at the whole thing, and I was like, wow, we can drop a menu on Tuesday, and it's all pre-orders. So if nobody orders, cool. If everybody orders, we know exactly how many pounds of brisket. There's we know, no waste. I have in my pocket now. I know what my Saturday is going to look like already. Every time somebody orders, my phone vibrates. Every time, <laughs> and great. we're able to, you know, cut the ordering off at midday on, on uh, Thursday. I call the market. I call you know, my old contacts and and purvey- er, purveyors from when I was with Dino, and I just make deals and say, Hey, I'm coming down for this. I'm coming
1: down for that this also like this breeds a new way to even carry out what you're doing because you could be doing pop-ups all over the u.s at some point Everywhere. and yep. where there's demand for it you could just show up take some of these orders or yep. even hire a couple guys to run a separate kitchen down there that you could eventually trust and- our
5: uh, on, on the horizon for us is a four-wall restaurant very small very specialized in the craft barbecue that we do and uh I have a real hard on for the drive-through, man. I want I want drive-through <laughs> barbecue. Like I, I want Fairfield <laughs> County drive-through barbecue, like real bad. And I honestly, have, so, I got a that's,
0: of- that's so aggressive in mm. my mind. To, yeah, you know. Well, I guess it's. <laughs> If the you can get it like so a pre-order there. type of thing, where it's like quick enough where you can get everybody through. Like I love the concept. I'm just like wrapping around my operations. Well, it's it gotta be. Like- it's gotta be driven by throughput. You know, part of the thing yeah. I did at Dinosaurs,
5: yeah. I looked at how order comes in. How do we execute that order with perfection? Yep. With precision and with quick. It's gotta be throughput. It's gotta get through. And like you know, drive-through barbecue. You're looking at people like the off exit nine. That McDonald's does almost $15 million a year in sales. (laughs) The the Chick-fil-A in Norwalk. It's going to do $20 million a year. I've driven by that's it. That's insane. In and there's numbers. been a
1: crazy line just blocking the traffic on the actual it's road nuts. that's right it's there. It's
5: nuts. So where I'm thinking, I'm looking at like, okay, there's definitely a space where we can find, okay, we're going we're gonna to do the throughput right. We're going to get these people in and out fast. Look at the operations, like to your point, but really be able to execute that solid, consistent barbecue. That's the thing. Consistently great barbecue. If we can't do it, we're not going to do it. Yep. But as long as we can execute it, which we've proven, for a decade now i've proven that we can do consistently good barbecue which we can um and what breeds that is the business if more people come it's easier to do it yeah. it's easier to move it through it's easier to get it good
1: leland tell me this before we let you go what'd you do with your brisket
5: today so my brisket today is uh it's a super prime brisket out of uh washugo farms out of oregon we have a very simple rub salt pepper toasted coriander and cumin and a, like the tiniest little bit of granulated garlic and that's it. We rubbed it. It's I was so over weird. with Billy at hometown buff at hometown barbecue, and I just like we cooked over there, which was really like kind of an yeah, honor it's kind for, of nice to be able to use Billy's honor for me yeah. to, to you know <laughs> tap him, and he was like, yeah, please come on, whatever you need. It was, and his team there is like ridiculously. Yeah. I mean, it was like walking into my own house. Whatever yep. you need, we can do for you. They gave me the keys, stay all night, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Drinks are over here, bath, whatever you need. It, it was really, it was, it was a dream to be able to get in his kitchen and and use his equipment and. And eat his food. We ate, we ate, all the money we spent this weekend was in his <laughs> restaurant,
1: which worked out really well. Blue Smoke's Brett Longsford is a purist. He sticks to his roots and trusts the process when it comes to cooking and has been on an adventure with USHG for years.
6: Tell us, Brett. I started in 2013 after graduating culinary school. I joined Grammar Tavern, worked there for about two and a half years, and then became an uh, opening member of the Untitled team. When uh, Mike Anthony and some other Gramercy cooks opened that location at the new uh, Whitney American Museum
2: So you actually know a couple of my buddies
6: from Manhattan, uh, Ethan Bensall and oh, Evan yeah. Tesler? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> both, both friends from Gramercy Tavern and then yeah. part of the opening team on Untitled I actually just had uh, dinner with Ethan um, okay. at another one of restaurants, Intersect by Lexus yeah, yeah, as well yeah,
2: yeah, I actually saw that, yeah, yeah
1: what, what goes into being part of an opening team? I mean, that's like, it's not your first restaurant. It's like another
6: concept, it's another restaurant going out there. Like, how many things can you remember at once? Um, The biggest thing, I think, for any time you open up anything new, it's about being adaptable. Like every day, you could be on one station. That station might not even be there the next day. It could be completely different. The dish you might have learned, guess what? New dish, it's gone. Scrapping it, trying something new. It's all about being able to duck and weave and dodge and find out what's next.
1: Well, that's just like analytics and saying this dish doesn't perform well, or maybe it takes too long to produce and we have to scrap it. Absolutely. And And then same with the different areas of a restaurant that are put together newly. Mm -hmm. Uh, you might realize maybe there's some bottlenecks where there shouldn't be bottlenecks. And then you say, Oh shit, we have to fix this and flip it around and make it work. Uh, Tell me, like we're out here right now,
6: you're you're gunning to take this competition with the brisket. That's What'd right.
1: you do for your brisket today? Uh,
6: our brisket at Blue Smoke right now, we keep it as simple and pure as possible. I'm trying to keep it as honest in Texas as I can. I was uh, raised in Texas. Uh, my daddy's born and raised Texas as well, so I'm trying to do respect to that. There,
2: there's a lot of pride riding on that. Oh yeah, oh, I, I got the Lone cooked.
6: Star tattooed on my right arm. I got you know <laughs> I got a, go. I got to respect where I can. So uh, it is salt and pepper. That is our rub, okay. um, and we use hickory wood. It's a nice hardy uh, wood that can the brisket can really stand up to it low and slow for about 16 hours overnight and and that's just it and we're serving with a little bit of a what we're calling texas candy which is a, a sweetened uh, jalapeno pickle
2: very nice which definitely candy like which in that is yeah thank you, sure. thank you thank you thank you
1: that's what I, I will say that justin came back over to our tent and he said geez this is good said, <laughs> this is good so there's a lot of contenders out here obviously there's a lot of competition out here at
6: pig beach today and uh, is this the first year you've actually competed here? This is my first type of barbecue competition I've ever been a part of. Oh, wow. In okay. fact, yeah, I know Blue Smoke actually um, competed and won in the two thousand and sixteen uh, brisket king competition. So I'm I'm back trying to reclaim the throne <laughs> as it word Daenerys Targaryen coming over here to take over Westeros. There you go. And uh, also, game. you know, kind of <laughs> establish myself Westeros. in the barbecue world. <laughs> so, uh,
0: you saw? Did you? If I read correctly, you started in Outback Steakhouse. That's right. Well, first Sonic drive.
6: Drive-In actually originally, but yeah, Dri- absolutely. Outback.
0: So I saw that's where I started my career as well. Oh, at Outback, so Outback Steakhouse. I did. Oh, I was nice. curbside
6: to go. Oh, that's awesome. That's,
0: that's how I started. <laughs> I must have liked it enough to stay in the restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually did for
6: like I did for about six years. I was front of house, and I dabbled in the back house a little bit. And that was honestly my first line cook job. Was um was cooking at uh, Outback Steakhouse.
2: Yeah, looking through your career documents, you've done a lot of bouncing back and forth between front house and back house. It's something you don't see a lot. Yeah. Why did you make that choice to stick to the back after you've experienced the front house life?
6: You know, uh, well, front of house was there for me, especially during college because the hours were more flexible. I did a lot of, uh, of music, theater, and things like that in college, and that's what I went for school for. Um, but after that, I decided that I really wanted to make the jump because food has always called me. It's always something I've done. I grew up uh, grilling and smoking chickens in the backyard with my dad growing up or cooking gumbo with my granny in her kitchen. Um, so food has always just spoken to me, and I really wanted to make that leap and uh make it a professional career it's funny because throughout
1: this whole podcast everybody that we always talk to they always refer and pull things back to their roots and Mm -hmm. you just said it yourself like these are the things that you remember and these are the things that you kind of stay true to what do you see out here what other people are doing with their briskets Mm -hmm. that maybe raises your eyebrow a little bit and you say oh that's unique or oh that's interesting maybe we should look at
6: maybe trying to infuse something for the next year going forward um, I'm really liking this uh, brisket pedida tacos that uh, that they're getting done right now that looks to be a fan favorite for sure today They, made, they got a
0: line. Oh out the, the door. How can you not know, like tacos? <laughs> I mean, I actually
6: made some brisket pedida tacos for um, for family meal one day and it's gonna be running as a special for sure coming up It's so good. It's definitely a trendy taco right now. Everyone's losing their minds over it yep. You know, I think that uh, food from the home really really plays um plays a certain note in people's hearts especially after like a year we just had i think people are looking for comfort and love anywhere they can find it and you know there's not a better place to find love and comfort than a big plate of food how'd you you find blue smoke pivoting through the pandemic and figuring out how to stay alive as you know all these restaurants did yeah so blue smoke opened in 2002 at our uh, 27th street Flatiron location with a jazz standard underneath and unfortunately, we did have to close down this year due to COVID. And so we closed our flagship store after, um, at that point, it's 18 years. We just had our 19th anniversary, but uh, we're still alive down in Battery Park City. We opened up, back up for curbside and takeout only uh, in June of 2020. And we've been doing that until we were allowed to do some patio dining. And then we opened indoor until that was taken away. And uh, as about a, about a month now, we have now been reopened now for indoor-outdoor uh, dining. And it's, uh, it seems too, you know, with Connecticut just announcing
1: that they're opening up more doors here, too, that New York should kind of be following, I'm sure. And we kind of get back to some type of normalcy.
6: Yeah, I think that as at the more that people stand, uh, stand strong with protocols, wearing masks, getting the vaccine, we'll be able to make those uh, moves, getting normalcy faster uh, rather than later. With new york you got to be very careful it's such a dense populated area and there's only so many spots and like for hospitalization so you got to be really careful we don't want to have a repeat of what happened in the original uh outbreak of covid with for you sure. know refrigerated trucks literally outside you know with you know unspeakable death and you know sadness everywhere so we got to be careful but i do think that there's a fresh fresh breeze coming in with this spring and hopefully by midsummer, we'll really really start to see some changes in the city
0: how great was that when the first day when you the first day to see people back in the restaurant, uh, you walk in, there's actually inc- someone sitting at a table. Yeah. It, it was so,
6: it honestly was a little weird. It was
2: incredible. We, we were saying it a lot at USC, how good did it feel to put food on plates again?
6: <laughs> that, that's really what it is, exactly. It's like, you know, after a while, like literally putting food inside of like a cardboard box yep. or, you know, a compostable box is, um, you know, it, it's a little soul-sucking after a while yeah, because that. as a chef, you know, you're really, that feedback is so important and yeah. being able to see people take that bite of food and do that slow head nod <laughs> up and down of approval really really means something and just hearing like like the symphony of like of shakers of cocktails being made or like forks and, and knives scraping on a plate is really yeah. a sound that only you can get in a restaurant it's messed up
0: my favorite sound in the world. Yeah, it, the it's bus called scraping by subs That's <laughs> it. Yeah. It's called
6: Restaurant Ambiance. You right. can listen to it on YouTube. There's a twenty-four hour loop yeah, that you right. just do. Oh, it puts yeah. you to sleep. Oh, right that's my ASMR channel, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Every night.
1: This handsome devil Ed Randolph is a sweetheart. Don't let their confidence fool you as Ed keeps no secrets when it comes to his barbecue or his fire. See if you can keep up, and if you're in Newburgh, New York, you're going to want to put an order through. Newburgh's a crazy place. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's big, it's big. There's Thunder. a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, at some point, it was like one of the most dangerous places in the US, <laughs> or New York maybe. I, I think
7: it still might be. <laughs> um, but I can tell you, in uh, I've been on the road since 2012. We travel from South Beach to Vermont. That goes far west as Tennessee. Um, done a couple things in Los Angeles, but I don't travel out there anymore because it's painful. For me, I grew up in the Hudson Valley, Um, I needed a place to find home and call home. So for the past two years, three years, I've been trying to find a location. I went through seven different locations. And I mean as close to right now as we're talking, sitting across from somebody. And as he's getting ready to sign the contracts, his buddy calls him and says, listen, I'll buy your building. And I literally <laughs> lost it. So for me, it was finding a place. Um, I had a, municipi- a municipality who did not want to change the zoning on a building that was vacant for 20 years. So I couldn't do it. Um, the city of Newburgh has been absolutely a great deal for me. And to have your municipality behind you. It's, you know, people ask me, what is it like to open up during a pandemic? I don't know if I would open up any other time. It was great to have the community support. Uh, we were able to employ five or six small businesses who were out of work. Um, we we're able to employ 14 people who were unemployed, you know. So it's, uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I get choked up about it because it's more pressure for me making sure I don't let them down. You know, I, I had people who really busted their butts to make sure we could open during a pandemic. And now it's, you know, I got to make sure my food is pretty good. Otherwise, I, I let everybody down and my place goes vacant again. That's yeah. every great owner's idea. Family. And that
1: is There's a theme.
0: The working with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah co- correct. Uh, now, what'd you do with your brisket today? Uh, today we did uh, the Brisket Trinity.
7: So so um, our name's Handsome Devil, right? You think we're pretty cocky and brash. My daughter actually named the company, but we are a pretty confident group. So when I called around and asked some of my buddies what they're making, some of them said, we're making brisket. Some said, we're going to make a pastrami. Ah. Some said, we're going to make a specialty item. So we said, all right, we're going to make all three. (laughs) So uh, we made a brisket slider, which is a uh, a double R uh, ranch, 16-hour smoked brisket. Uh, We cook on a mill scale offset, 1,000-gallon tank. And... uh, we top that with a piece of our homemade cured pastrami. It's actually a uh, really short cure pastrami that we've we've hit a recipe that works pretty well for us.
2: How long is the cure? You call it a short cure?
7: Uh, that actually the uh, the cure actually only is a three day cure on it. Where most most pastrami's are like almost two weeks. Yep. Um, the alternative to that is it's got to cook for a lot longer. So that's almost a 20 hour. So I, I've now been awake, I think, for like 32 hours. So I don't know. I, um, I
0: followed you late last night with the rum and the cookies. Yeah, and I, and so and that's, the that's the time you can get like the
7: most content from me online, is because that's I'm online. I'm just getting giddy. So I'm out there dancing <laughs> next to the smoker and I'm doing everything else. I, the first song I put on is like Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I'm like, what, what's the chance of that happening? <laughs> and I'm loading the smoker. Of course, there's no sleep. Um, and then we took all of our brisket trimmings and instead of throwing them out, man, we, we find a way to reuse it. So we actually made a Texas Hot Link sausage out of our brisket trimmings today as well. Wow. So we did that. And um, at the restaurant, we'll take the fat from the brisket we'll render it down and we run our fires with it so it's a it's a beef fat very nice beef fat fryer. Uh, most people you know remember back in the 70s and 80s maybe i'm aging myself but everybody loved mcdonald's right had the best fries ever they used to run beef fat in their fryers yep. so we run it now in hours and i can probably tell you i'm getting about 92 to 95 percent use of my brisket which you guys know in the barbecue world It's amazing, you know, so you got to find a way to use it because things cost so much money You just can't throw them in the garbage.
1: What are uh, what are some of the higher margin items? Maybe on your menu though typically Uh, the
7: higher margin items on the menu is going to be a brisket Ribs are up there now. They're they're going, and believe it or not, damn chicken wings. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. Chicken wings went up to Dude, like three dollars and forty cents a pound for Super, cra- Super Bowl. That's and a new price and right? And now. I'm like, all right, they're <laughs> gonna come back down. And they've only really gone up. They went up. I'm like, how is the chicken? I'm buying four pound full chickens for a dollar a pound, and the damn wings on them are costing me three sixty a pound. And we hit like, last we hit last week four ten yeah. a pound. What are you? This is crazy. It's 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 unbelievable. You know, I'm like it's a. Chicken and of course, if we sell the most. It's like our top-selling appetizer. It Sorry. is. People come in and they see it. And now, um, we were lucky. We had a, one of these social media influencers they come in there and they're like, oh, your dry rub wing's good. I was like, please don't post this. Don't <laughs> post. Please don't. Please don't. did And literally, it was like 120 pounds of wings went out the next day. And I'm like, all right. Might as well just set $100 bills on fire in my wallet because it was been the same thing.
1: <laughs> how, how do you differentiate yourself in a world of barbecue out here, though, too? Uh, there's so many things that are similar across the board with all barbecue and we've heard all day a lot of the seasonings have been very similar maybe the wood changes a little bit but you know what makes you you
7: uh that's a very good question for for me it's just me always trying to strive for that perfection you know everybody says oh they they call up to be like oh you're a pit master so listen I haven't mastered anything I didn't make fire I didn't make barbecue um, I'm always intrigued by every single day. I go out there and fire that smoker up. My wood's different, temperature's different, humidity's different, my meat's different, and it's important for me to make sure that if I got 24 briskets on my smoker, if you come in to eat, you don't know if your slice is coming from brisket number one or brisket number 24. Yep. So. Um, I learned a very long time about keep everything as simple as possible, and I'll tell you right now I use salt and pepper on my briskets, that's all I do with it. It's a it's a 16 mesh grade, it's a kosher salt, it's typical brisket that you're going to find in Texas.
1: I honestly think we're being lied to today because every <laughs> single person has said, no nah, just salt and pepper, nothing else, but they all taste drastically different. So so where's the lie here, you know? The, the, the lie, secret the, sauce. The
7: lie comes in building your fire, and I will tell you right now. Um, Without me going to jail, I am a narcissist. Um, I can read a fire, I can see a fire. I've learned from some of the greats of really understanding how my channel logs work in my fire, where your fire source is coming from, how to maintain it, how to slow it, how will you pick up a log? And if it's gonna give me five degrees or 10 degrees and maintaining it, I mean, you guys know everything of, uh, barbecue is time yep. and temperature. Yep. So if, if my, all of a sudden my mill scale's running from 265 and drops to 250, I need to get that thing back up there. If I put too big of a piece in there, it could spike to 300. How long is it gonna run? Don't know. Um, So to be able to just to do it and I'd literally spent years of just working over and I own 13 different smokers from the pellets to the ceramics to the offsets um, And I literally think that it's it's just learning learning the craft and being really humble, man There's a lot of people out there from you guys I mean I could come spend a night with you guys and probably learn something that I didn't realize that I'm doing wrong And it's like, you know what shoot I should be doing this um, it's a so big, it's a, that's
0: the biggest thing we picked up. It's like it's a community thing. It's like we talk all the time Figure It, it something is something out you get a little um, trick here a
7: trick there And I have no problem you guys want to come up one night and do a smoke with me. I, that's fine I, um, I give everybody people like I, I've been blessed to write a couple cookbooks and they're like oh the mac and cheese recipe Is that really? Um, yeah <laughs> That's the same when we serve at the restaurant. Go make it. You know do better than me You know what take it and you make gazillions of dollars I'll be happy if you do it because maybe I'm doing something wrong but it's, it's all love and family. I and mean, we're not competition. We're all doing the same thing. Correct. I always right. like to say that there's enough there's enough meat on the rib bone for all of us to get a little taste, right? There you so, go. So why don't we all do it and all support each other? You don't have to hate your barbecue to like mine. And you don't have to hate mine to like yours.
0: 300%. Right?
7: Wise words. I live in
0: I live in Brewster, which is not too far. Not so at I'm gonna all. Be, I'm going to be hitting over there pretty soon. Please,
7: let me know when you come, man. I, I like to do it. If you want to even spend one night watching that... Meal scale for me, I'll leave you the instructions and I'll go to bed.
1: (laughs) Juicy Lucy out of Staten Island was last year's Brisket King winner. Pivoting was the movement of 2020, and Richie Holmes' story is that to a T. From converting from barbecue to Italian food in the pandemic, to buying property behind the business to open up a drive-in movie theater... Richie moves fast and isn't afraid of trying new things.
2: So you guys were or are the reigning champs? You won in 2019, correct?
8: Correct. There was no uh, brisket king last year because of the pandemic. So yeah. I guess you can say we're the reigning champs.
0: So you can count 2020 as as a win for you too, then. Pardon me? You can
1: just count 2020 as a win for you, too, and just get yeah, it over. Yeah, so it's so it's like, we're,
8: we're, we're two times defending yeah. champs. Still right a winning chance exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a funny loophole now that you think about it, too. But the thing is, you were getting ready to come back into it the next year and yeah. say, we got to defend the title, and you had a whole year off. Yes. Do you, do you slip off your game at that point? So, you know? I mean,
8: people, you got to realize, so we have a place in Staten Island. really is an indigenous to barbecue. So <laughs> when we opened up, we had two and a half, three hour waits to get into the place uh that's july of 2019. 29- we won the brisket king before we even opened we yeah. opened up in july of 2019 we won the brisket king in april of 2019.
1: it's a good so bragging rate to walk into pretty cool, right? 100%. Pretty
8: cool. Um, and then the pandemic hit in you know december january six months later so we had to basically you know restructure everything um you know we i basically shut my place down from march till june because i didn't want my employees or my staff or or my customers for that matter, anybody to get, you know, God forbid to get sick. But yeah. so we just kind of shut it down. Um, in June of last year, we reopened. I bought the property behind my my restaurant and I turned it into a drive-in movie theater. So awesome. we, we were serving barbecue right out from my restaurant into the, uh, we had an 85 car parking lot that we were showing one movie a night. Um, so that kind of saved the place, if you will, you know? But you had to pivot, you know, you had to do something different.
1: Pivot was the word of twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Twenty
0: twenty—that's a new we, word. We definitely learned that word a bunch of times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounds like you have an entrepreneurial mind. Period. If you decided to do something as crazy as open up a drive-in moving theater by buying the piece of land behind yeah. you, yeah. like uh, that's a way to go. Without
8: COVID, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. State-owned it. There was or, no it was all demolished by Hurricane Sandy. Well, Hurricane Sandy. So there was there was houses behind my restaurant at one time. Hurricane Sandy washed them away. So the state, part of the buyback program, bought all those lots and bought the property from all those homeowners, um, never to be turned into homes again. So two years ago when I bought my business, I looked into maybe using that as a parking lot and they weren't really amenable to it. They wanted to bring it back to nature, they wanted it to be like a park type of thing. Um, So when COVID started, I went to my local congressman who's a friend and I said, listen, I said, would there be any opportunity for me to maybe to get these lots to help, you know, help my business. And they, again, they really wanted, not now they really wanted business to start to work. Of again. course. Uh, he says, not only, you know, are you gonna be able to park, but I'm gonna be able to get you get them to buy them. Mm-hmm. I said, if I buy them, then I'll put up a driver movie theater. He goes, you put up a driver movie theater, I'll get you the contracts in a week. Within <laughs> five days, I had the contracts to buy the property and we had the uh, we had the screen up and you know we got approved by the motion picture association it was really wild stuff wow. it's, so, it's and, so nice yeah. when
0: the community and the businesses get to work together and, yeah.
8: and it wouldn't have happened <laughs> you know wouldn't have otherwise so it was really really you know timing and life is everything I worked out well for
1: us it's funny you know doing the podcast so often and we have all these conversations with everybody that own businesses they go the community never lets us do anything yeah. and here you are where they gave you the golden platter pretty much like to put this together story. yes So well,
8: we have a 65 person staff we have a, we have a large staff huge. so yeah we have a pretty big operation out there um so we a lot of people rely on us as does the community you know uh so they were really one when, when the pandemic first hit we were doing a lot of Charity and donations because we're around a hospital, Staten Island hospitals, is three blocks away from us. So we were just sending food over, this, sending food over. This. So everybody really, we all rallied around each other. Staten Island with we, between Sandy and all this other stuff, they really do some good. I mean, everybody makes fun of Staten Island because there's a lot of jerk on Staten Island, but um, <laughs> but the good people out there really, really are good people. So of
1: course, between all stereotypes, there's always some some truth and also always, some fallacies, <laughs> right? We're
8: in Brooklyn, you could be from Staten, you could be from Long Island. There's is gonna be not nasty people that can be nice people. So tell me
1: this, though, because this is super interesting to me. You were doing barbecue and then pivoted into doing Italian food.
8: You heard about this. okay? So <laughs> of did course your we heard about this. this. <laughs> did, did your homework on me? Yeah, so, so um, my property is a beachfront property, okay? So anybody knows a beachfront property, you really don't do that. You don't thrive quite as much. November, December, January, February. These chillier months, people, unless they're coming to your place, there is no malls down there or anything like that. It's not like there is an an affluent uh, you know, area down there. So I had said, <coughs> I think that in order to try to do something again to pivot, um, I'm gonna do something a little, I'll diversify a little bit more because, you know, I'm a fat Italian guy, um, and we wound <laughs> up selling out our Italian, we did it for four weeks, we wound up selling out all of our Italian food, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day that we did it out there, and it went over very, very well. To the point where people like, oh my God, you should do like a, a show and, and, and teach everybody <laughs> your recipes, and everything. I was like, I'm a barbecue guy, but there I you
1: appreciate go. it. That's uh, that's kind of crazy too, but also it's a high margin business so, to be Listen in. to me,
8: barbecue is a low margin business. Yeah, Italian food is the other end of the spectrum.
0: The <laughs> other end say, of the spectrum. I always say that to my partner. I said these pizza guys, these pasta guys, they're cheating. They get they get the cheapest <laughs> products and the nice and, they, and your, line's at the your lines up yeah. the door. door. You know.
1: Well, listen. We hope you defend the title tonight. We're gonna see what happens in a couple hours, of course. Appreciate that. I know this guy wants smokehouse, but you were sitting separately here. All right. It's all good. It's all good. It's all
8: good. I came came here for the other brisket. There you (laughs) go. (laughs) Listen, I want to taste everybody's brisket. I'm listen. I'm a fat guy, and I love everything at this. So I really want to. I'm just happy that we're all out in the world all over again. We're all finally able to be able to do well, and whoever wins wins at the end of the day.
1: Sure enough. Juicy Lucy wound up keeping the title of Brisket King and now hold the 2019 and 2021 title. You may catch him bragging though about holding the title for three years now since 2020 was a leap year. Enjoy learning about the business of our favorite businesses? Find some more episodes below with awesome stories. They're all labeled on the record. Own or manage a restaurant yourself? The Waiting on Fries releases tackle real issues you go through in your restaurants daily.